0: The week 14, Mark chapter 10 is where we're at tonight. So this, I will be up front, uh, is... Sh- this up front is uh, one of my absolute favorite uh, passages in all the Gospels. Uh, this is of all the sections where Jesus talks about his identity that I think is one of the most personal and helpful for us as we think about the true identity of Jesus. So let's read that together. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to stand uh, as we read from Mark chapter 10, verses 32 to 45. So read with me this passage. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And James and John and the the sons of Zebedee came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not for me to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the 10 heard it, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You may have seats, and let's pray, ask for God's blessing on our time now, and dive into this for the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, So Father, yeah, we do indeed... Now just want to ask for your blessing on our time of study together. I pray that what our students have uh, sought to understand on their own throughout this week would uh, come to life tonight as we put together all these details and better see and understand uh, this one that they call Jesus and how what he says here has the ability to transform our lives in significant ways. So uh, we pray for your favor in that regard give you glory for that in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. I mentioned at the outset, this is certainly one of my favorite passages in all of the Gospels uh, and Jesus and his interactions. And uh, it's kind of a, an interesting thing to say because it's probably one of the most humbling of ones because I think all of us can see ourselves in this passage when we look at it closely. Um, and it, it, it humbles us. It kind of puts us in our place in a way that we need to. And Before we kind of get to, to that and some of the application of it, I want to just go back through it together a little bit. Uh, you hopefully did some of this on your own. Uh, so I just want to process a little bit of what uh, you saw and found in this study as we go through some of those uh, observation questions. So as you look at this, what do we see about Jesus? What's said about Jesus? What does he say about himself? What are some of the things that jump out to you from your study as you went through the passage this week. What does it say? Yeah. He's son of man. Okay. Very clearly, even just going into the, the title that he has here, he's called and he references uh, himself as the Son of Man. Very good. Yeah, Bailey. Teacher. Okay, he's called Teacher. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, it, he basically s- explains his whole, how his death is going to happen. Yeah, okay, so he's explaining how his death is going to happen, right? So he foretells what's going to happen to him in very vivid detail. Very good, yeah. Anything else? Yeah, Vinny. He says, um, what to sit at my right hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it is not prepared. Yeah, so he even says that there are certain things that even though he is, you know, he is God, there are certain things that he, uh, in his uh, position, uh, is not able to grant uh, to the requests of James and John here for sure. Uh, what are some of the repeated words, phrases, things that stood out that kind of reappear time and time again here? Yeah. Oh, uh, baptized, or baptism. Yeah, some form of baptized baptism. Yep, we'll talk about that for sure. Yeah. Um, grant. Okay, grant to grant something for sure. What else? Serve or servants, the different forms of that word that associated with servant. We're going to definitely camp out there a little bit. Anything else? James and John. Okay, so some of the main characters here at play, obviously Jesus, but James and John, absolutely. So they're kind of the central disciples in this section. Very good. What about any of the commands, warnings, promises that Jesus gives here? Anything that he... We already talked about how he... Uh, foretells a little bit about his upcoming death. We talk about how it's uh, uh, who it's granted to to sit at his right hand and his left. But what else? Any other promises or profound statements he gives? Yeah. Told James, you do not know what you're okay, you do not know what you're asking. That's that's always a humbling thing, right? When you ask for something and it says you know, you don't get it <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah, the Son of Man came not to uh, came not to be served, but to serve. That's absolutely critical there. So, as you get to the last question, the why question: Why are we given this? You know, this is where you're looking for those statements of purpose, intentionality, cause and effect. The reality is, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's really only one, primary one in this. Did you catch on to it, Bailey? Uh, Verse 45. Absolutely, verse 45, because verse 45 begins with what word? For. For. In other words, for this very reason, right? For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, so this should be helpful for you, as you were thinking through developing that main point idea that goes off of, uh, this idea that as the son of man, Jesus blank, right? So that, that this idea that this is kind of the main driving why you're giving this information means that your main point should hopefully kind of come, uh, around that idea to some extent. So what are some of the, the points that maybe you came up with? There's some Unique ways that you can word this here. I think I came up with several different ways, but what are some of the main point ideas that you came up with based on your study this week if you want to share? Yeah, Kayla. Okay. The Son of Man Jesus commands us to serve as he served. Very good. I like that one. Yeah. You came to serve and to save. Okay. As the Son of Man Jesus came to serve and to save. Absolutely. I love that. What else? Anything else? So here's, here's a couple different ways that I phrased it that hit on a lot of the same ideas that you did, right? So think about it this way. As the Son of Man, Jesus, uh, I kind of connected even to the idea because Jesus is talking here about what real greatness is, right? So you could say something like Jesus demonstrates true greatness through sacrificial service, right? So as the Son of Man, Jesus, demonstrates true greatness through sacrificial service. Uh, You could say something like, you know, as the Son of Man, Jesus sets the example of service for his followers. After all, he makes it very clear in verse 43, it shall not be so among you. In other words, the way of the world, which is to be in positions of authority and to, as he says, lord it over other people. He says, for my people, those who follow me, It shall not be so. And so this idea here, this way I phrase this main point, kind of gets to that idea. As the Son of Man, Jesus sets the example of service for his followers. Very simply, you could say something along the lines of Jesus came to serve rather than to be served. Or Jesus served mankind by dying in our place or shows us what sacrificial service is looks like so let's unpack that a little bit more i just want to go back to the story draw that out a little bit more give you a few ways to think about this applicationally and then allow you some time to process in your group so let's look at this story there's a couple of different movements that are happening here the first beginning in verses 32 to 34 so we see here where are jesus and his disciples going in this story what's up Jerusalem. Jerusalem, all right. Why is Jesus going to Jerusalem? Anybody know at this point in his ministry why would he be going to Jerusalem? Vacation? Yeah. What's that? Yeah, I mean, it's the time of the Passover, but in particular, it's his final Passover. This is him going to Jerusalem for his final week of his life, basically, right? He is on, we could say, metaphorically, he is on his way to the cross, his journey to the cross uh, is here. But notice that he's very resolute about it. It says they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking on ahead of them. Jesus, as he's gonna unpack for the disciples here very soon, he, he knows he's about to go die. He knows what's awaiting him, and yet he is, for lack of better words, he's setting the pace, right? He's, he's going on ahead, and you even see how they're amazed by this, but also, like, they're a little fearful. And this is when he, he calls a huddle. He, he calls his disciples together, and he reminds them of this. I think if I remember correctly, this is maybe the third time in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus is explaining to them what is going to happen. He's setting proper expectations because his disciples time and time again did not get his mission. So often they saw Jesus as this Messiah, but their idea of Messiah and Savior had nothing necessarily to do with their sins. It had to do with their comforts. They were a people, the Jews were (laughs) oppressed under the, the heavy hand of Roman opposition and so in their minds, they saw Jesus as this potential spiritual revolutionary who was going to change all things, who was going to bring back this glory days of Israel. And Jesus is kind of constantly fighting back against that mentality, and he has to remind them time and time again. And if we can be honest, there's a lot of times where we maybe think that way too. We maybe wouldn't use those words about Jesus, but there are certainly times that we think Jesus... Is maybe a vehicle to just bring greater comfort to our lives, make things easier on us, to get us farther in life, perhaps? We're going to see that kind of in James and John's request here, but Jesus is reminding them here, listen, my greatest purpose here is not having to do with your comforts, it's having to do with my mission, which is to die for you. And so he reminds them of that here, and it's amazing. As I think about James and John, it's like sometimes talking to children where it goes in one ear and out the other. Because notice right after he just says all this about what he's about to do, in fact, he even is very clear, I'm going to die. I am going to be killed. And the very next verse, verse 35, James and John come up to him and say, Jesus, we want you to do something for us. Wow, talk about sensitive, right? Jesus, we're really sad you're going to die. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, can you do something for us? And I love the way they they do it because they they go up to them. They they they're respectful. They call him teacher here, but say we want you to do whatever we ask of you. Let me ask you this: Hey, have you ever tried that one in your house before with mom and dad? Mom and dad, I want you to do what I'm going to ask i'm not going to tell you what it is in advance but i would like you to do whatever i ask go home and try that tonight and come back next week and let me know how that went for you right now i don't know if that's actually the the tone or the way that it happened but the the phrasing here is it's very straightforward and i love jesus is so gracious right like you know if i'm a parent and i hear a kid say something like that you know what my response usually would be like um go back and let's try that again right <laughs> And Jesus, Jesus he's, he's so gracious. And Jesus says, What do you want me to do for you? You know, he's not promising anything, but he just, What do you, what do you want? Tell me what's on, on your mind. And the interesting thing is, Mark, Mark's gospel account doesn't say this, but we actually learn in the other gospel accounts that James and John are actually not the specific ones doing this. Do you know who's actually asking the questions for him? Mama. James and John, Mrs. WD if you will, right? She's the one doing their, their bidding here. They're the, she's the spokeswoman for them, right? And Mark doesn't record that here, but we know that from the other Gospels. And their request is, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand, in glory. These are the positions of greatest honor. And here's just one of those things where, again... I think there's a misunderstanding of what they have in mind with what Jesus is going to do. Uh, they're missing the cross completely. They're thinking about Jesus and his kingdom that he's going to establish. And they're saying, listen, we, we want to be right by your side, which is a great thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with this closeness, but... As we're going to see with Jesus and his response to them, I think we see that there's a greater motive that's driving this. It's not just their desire to be close to Jesus, though I, I believe that they truly do want that. After all, John is described as the disciple that Jesus loved. I mean, they had a great friendship and an intimate relationship, but we see that there's something more to that. They, they want the highest positions. They want the best, They want the best seats in the house. And Jesus says to them, first of all, he doesn't correct them, he's, but he says, I don't, I don't know if you fully understand what you're asking. Right. This, is, this is a high calling. And he, 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 he asks them two kind of questions here that seem a little weird to us. He says, can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Now, he's not talking about a literal drink. He's not talking about... You know, do you have the skills to chug a water bottle as fast as Nick Muneo can, you know? Like, can you drink like that? No, that's not what he's talking about there. Nor is he talking about a a water baptism of like, can you be baptized? These are two, as you may be saw in your study notes there, these are two kind of metaphors that describe death and suffering. When Jesus in the garden prays, Father, take this cup from me. He's not talking about a literal cup. A drinking cup he's talking about a metaphorical cup that represents the suffering and the wrath of god that he's about to drink before going to the cross or in going to the cross saying listen like like this is this is not an easy road do you understand what you're asking like to 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 go this far is going to require a lot of you and he says are you able to do that and they say yeah we, we are.'" And, and he says to them, listen, you are probably going to have to do these things. And in fact, Jesus knew that. We know from church history that uh, these men suffered greatly for the name of Christ. James uh, would be eventually killed for the faith. John would be exiled for the faith. They would suffer immensely. Jesus says to them, but for me uh, to grant this to you, that's, not, that's my, not my place. Besides, he says, that misses the point. What's the point? Verse 41 kind of gets to the heart of things because it says that the other ten, when they hear this all going on, they become indignant with James and John. And I don't know that they're... Here's, here's what I, I, I think... I don't think they're upset with James and John because they're like, oh man, James and John, you should have known better than to ask such things. Shame on you for, 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 for asking such things of Jesus. So insensitive of you. Based on what we know throughout the Gospels, the disciples are constantly getting into arguments about who is the greatest. I think the fact that they're indignant with James and John, I think, has some roots in the fact that they probably thought, man, why didn't I think to ask Jesus first? How come these guys, like, you know, tried to cut in and get the best seats, right? Like, you see this with kids, too, if you have children. Like, you understand they're like, oh, man, I'm bummed that this person beat me to the punch to ask for this privilege. Guess what? This- Huddle number two, Jesus calls them back all together. He says, take a knee. Verse 42, he calls them to himself and he says to them, you know, those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, the Gentiles are the the non-Jews. He says that those who are considered rulers, those who are in positions of authority, you know what they're like? They lord it over others. To lord it over other peoples means that they make it very clear they're the ones in charge, others are less important. They're all about advancement. They're all about rising. And it says they're great ones. Exercise authority over them. In fact, I don't know if you picked up on this, but that word over appears multiple times. Emphasis. It's all about being over other people. To which, verse 43, Jesus uses that contrastive word, but. But it shall not be so among you. You being my followers. The way of my followers is not like the world. It is not about rising to be over other people. It is not about climbing the ladder so that you can lord it over other people. In fact, verse 43, whoever wants to be great among you, whoever wants to truly be worthy among you, guess what? They must be the lowest. Whoever would be great among you must be your and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. That's pretty revolutionary, isn't it? It's not about how high up you can be. It's about how low. That's the way of a follower of Jesus. And he says that this models the very... Part of his mission because verse 45 gives us that purpose for even the son of man came not to be served now <clears throat> if we were to just skip past this we think say, okay well yeah jesus came not to be served but to serve i get that but notice that he adopts that title, Son of Man. Remember, we're, we're really focusing in on these titles. And if you don't understand the, the background of the title that Jesus is adopting here, this kind of falls a little flat if you're not careful. He uses the title, Son of Man, to describe himself. And you may be wondering, well, I don't, I don't know what that really means. Well, if you're, you look at the footnote there for Son of Man, that is a title that was used to to describe divine authority. In fact, if you were to go to the Old Testament, to the book of Daniel, and you were to read Daniel's vision in chapter seven, verses 13 to 14, this is where that first is used, this idea of the son of man. And you know what Daniel's vision describes? It describes the coming of, Messiah the coming Lord in all his glory in all his majesty in all his wonder and so when you understand that you think to yourself man this person is worthy of the highest position honor and praise and yet Jesus says even the one who is worthy of the highest position praise, worthiness all of it even that one who would be worthy to be served, did not come for the purpose primarily to be served. Instead, the one who was worthy of all glory, honor, worth, service, came actually to serve. And not just to serve in a nice way, cleaning up places, doing kind things, No, he did it in the most sacrificial of ways. He served in the greatest degree, which was laying down his very life as a ransom, as a payment for many. To the utmost degree. Jesus shows us in this passage. That worldly greatness is all about rising up and taking in. But true Christ-like greatness is about stooping down and pouring out. And so, as you just look at this, two two main applications. First, for those of you who know Jesus, for those of you who have given your life to Christ, Jesus is setting forth for you here the model of what discipleship looks like. And it's not about trying to make your name great, trying to make yourself higher and better than others. In fact, Jesus says what demonstrates true Christlikeness, true greatness among others, is the fact that you are pouring yourself out for the sake of others. You take on the mindset of a servant which matches that of your Lord. A, sac- a service that is sacrificial for the sake of others. And for those of you who are here tonight who have not submitted to Jesus, the last line of this passage reminds us that Jesus came to give his life as a ransom. A ransom of payment, right? A ransom is for those who are being held hostage. The truth is that you and your sin are being... Held hostage. And Christ has come as the payment to buy you out of that, to bring you back to himself. And one of the things I love about a passage like this is it reminds us just how gracious and kind Jesus is. How worthy he is of that. Like when you see Jesus through this lens, the question that you have to wrestle with is why would you not want to give yourself to one who has given so much for you. And so I just want you to wrestle with that tonight. If that's you who have not given your life to Jesus, uh, my prayer would that you would see him as totally worthy of that, but just how kind he has been in paving the way for you. So I'm going to dismiss you now to your group so you can have some good time to process. We went a little bit longer. I apologize. That's what happens when I get these passages, but you are dismissed. Have a good time in your groups.